Welcome to ESPN Cricket Info Stamp Mike. It gives me great pleasure to introduce our guest for today's show. Uh, he's acted alongside Adam Sandler in a Hollywood film. Uh, <laughs> he's an avid surfer, but uh, most of all, he probably loves to fish over anything, over everything else. In the middle of all of that, he has managed to take 699 wickets in international cricket. Say hello to actor, skateboarder, and one of the most lethal fast bowling uh, cricketers of uh, all time. I would all say. Time. ஒரு <laughs> <laughs> Playing cricket was an act, you know. Um, I think everything else I do comes quite naturally to me. Like, I love being outdoors, whether it be fishing or hanging out with my dogs or surfing or skateboarding or whatever it is. I, I, I love sport too, so in general. But like, when it came to cricketing, cricket, cricketing. Cricking, <laughs> fishing. Cricking. Cricket, cricket and fishing. Cricking. Yeah, cricking. Let's just call it cricking for now. Um, that was a good sponsor segment. There is a brand, I think a burger brand really? called Crick King. Here we go. Yeah, Crick King. <laughs> oh, or King of Cricket. King of King Cricket. Crick yeah. <laughs> King. There we go. Mm. That, was, that was all an act, really. That was, um, there was a lot of acting that got involved in that. Uh, it was like a lot of waking up <clears throat> when you saw and, you, and you're not feeling up for it today, but this is what you do. This is what everyone is looking, they have eyes on you, you know, like they want you to go out there and perform and You can't go out there sulking, you can't go out there kicking the ground with your head down. You have to present yourself in a particular way, look the part. So I felt like cricket was, uh, there was a lot of acting in cricket, but my acting in Hollywood and that, not so is good. Is that because you're a fast bowler? Is, does that something do all fast bowlers do, like you need to put on a ferocious aura about, about yourself? I'm not sure whether all fast bowlers mm. do it. I, I liked... like growing up watching other guys do what they do mm-hmm. so i loved watching like from a cricket point of view i loved watching brett lee ball i yeah. loved watching shaib and allen and and these guys and then shane warne for me was just mm. like he it was a theatrical performance that i loved watching him do you know he would bowl on on pitches that weren't particularly spinning mm. tracks and surfaces and yet he was still able to take wickets and i was like how how is he taking wickets when all the other spinners are struggling mm. And I'm like, because he's, he's playing this part, you know, he's, he's acting as though every ball that he bowls, it's spinning a mile. And every time you hit him for a boundary in a particular place, he wanted you to hit the ball mm. there, you know. So he made and the batsman believe, even though there was nothing. Absolutely, you know, surface. I was just watching him and I was like, I don't buy that. I don't mm. buy that, that um, you know, this smokescreen that you're putting on mm. in front of people. And I obviously met him a bunch of times and he's a wonderful, wonderful mm. man. And, and he is very confident in that. But I felt like... a lot of times that he needed to do something um, to, and he, this is his words, to find a way mm. to take a wicket. And if acting um, uh, a particular way to fool people into thinking that you're in control of what you're doing is one way, then I'm going to use that too. So yeah. when it came to fast bowling, I felt like I needed to include that into my game. Like as a spectator or as someone who'd watch you on TV, you had fooled me. I would say I don't believe the fact that it was an act. Like, uh, like seeing you bowl would strike fear in me like and like i would feel for whoever is facing you are you scared now while she's sitting here uh, it's a bit surreal but i'm not scared 
So, but you yeah. get what I'm saying. I get so, it. like, I I, yeah. I would walk into like a like a shopping center, and I'd I've, it happened to me on more than one occasion where I would go to go buy groceries, and um, like a kid would walk up to me and want to take a picture with me, and then the parents, I would hear the parents in Afrikaans say, "Stay away from him. He's a very angry man," <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um, it's like, oh, I'm not that, you know, I'm not that scary. I'm not I'm not that angry. You know, and, and the amount of people that have approached me and they always say, oh, you look so much bigger mm. on TV, you know, or you look so much scarier on TV. And, you know, that's exactly, wasn't, mm. wasn't that my job? And then I felt like, yeah, I was doing the right thing. But I didn't want to scare people off the field, like, you know, <laughs> so I'm glad you're not scared right now. It's a good thing. This is, this is a safe space. You're not, you're not wearing a helmet yeah, and facing him at 22 yards mm. across. You're yeah. fine. Even in that regard, right? you had spoken to Sanjay Manjrekar a few years ago and at ESPN Cricket Info and you had mentioned your first ever cricketing memory right, of being accidentally dropped off in another gate at school by your parents because there was some other activity happening in the house and that's the first time you saw cricket. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm just wondering if you ever think of yourself in a parallel universe where that didn't happen and you still went in through the front gate. Like, do you ever imagine yourself not playing this game? Yeah, I could, I suppose. Um, this might sound like a little bit like uh, arrogance, but I always found that like, it, like whatever I was going to do, I was going to be successful at it. I had that mindset that it didn't really matter. Like, I didn't ever think that I was going to become a cricket player that was going to play for South Africa and then go on to play in India and play in leagues around the world. And, and that was not what I what I saw myself doing. When I was in high school, I loved, um, I loved skateboarding more than anything in the world, to be honest with you. I loved fishing. It's what I did. That was, that was a culture thing. You know, I grew up fishing. I grew up in the outdoors. But skateboarding, I found skateboarding. Like, that was the thing for me. And um, with skateboarding came, like, this art side of... of um, I love art, too. I love music, and I love art. I love drawing, and I love looking at art, I love music, and I love the way that, I love poetry, um, I love the way that things move and flow and, and, and you know, visibly look wonderful um, and aesthetic to the eye, like I like that kind of thing. And skateboarding was something that caught my eye, um, and I really enjoyed it. So one of the things that came with skateboarding was photography. So I, I genuinely thought that when I finished school that I would go into that line of, of work, is that I would be a photographer, whether it be a nature photographer, a, a skateboarding photographer, a sports photographer, but I'd be taking photographs of things. And um, cricket was pretty much something that I enjoyed doing and I was really good at it, but I didn't ever think I was going to make a living out of it. So yeah, in a parallel world, I could be a world famous photographer or something along those lines. You but I would have done fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Your, your colleague here, who you're working with for the past 10 days, Anil Kumble, his Instagram page just says Anil Kumble Photography. There you go. He doesn't post, there's no like generic posts at all. He's also a very avid photographer. So maybe the two of yeah. you are in a different well, world. Yeah, go and look at my Instagram. I don't yeah. think there's anything cricket. Yeah, um, there's hardly Obviously, there's the, yeah. there's the odd sponsor mm. that I have to do. And um, from time to time, someone will send me something that, you know, takes me down memory lane that's, that's, that's yeah. pretty um, aesthetically pleasing to, yeah, the, to the, look there at. There was a post with the hairstyle, with the mohawk. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that, that you was... Uh, we get into that, the punk rock aesthetic. I, I may have been yeah. single when I posted that, I don't know. 
Not but sure. like it just reminds who's the I think the uh, England batter Mark Butcher, right? Even mm -hmm. on his uh, in, uh, Twitter, he has a guitar player. Mm. Yeah. First. Isn't he a good, very good? He's musician? very, he's a very, very good, very good, good guitar player. Yeah. 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 So like I was going to get into skateboarding, right? Uh, do you uh, ever imagine yourself to be, or do, who did you model yourself around? Like Tony Hawk, I'm guessing, because that was what. Uh, I no, I, I think everyone thinks Tony Hawk because he's the first person's name that comes to everyone's mind when they think like skateboarding, and Tony. Hawk is obviously a wonderful skateboarder, um, but there was one particular guy, his name is Jeff Rowley, um, he's kind of who I, I idolized growing up and one of the great things about sports or skateboarding or, or cultures uh, is that if you embrace yourself and you immerse yourself into those fields, you somehow cross paths along the line and um, when I was growing up I used to watch Jeff skate we used to buy these videos these they were called 411 video magazines because back then we couldn't get physical magazines they, they were tough to get uh, in south africa and we, you don't have instagram and stuff like that like you got now so they would bring out these um video magazines that they would publish one video for every three or four months so you get issue one which would be january to like march or whatever it was and it would be a recap of what's happening in world skateboarding good music good skateboarding and from a very young age I, I caught on to this guy he caught my eye and I was just like this is the guy um, he's a wonderful wonderful skateboarder obviously too but he's one of those guys that just I just kind of connected with him in the sense that like he never gave up he would fall and you just get up the whole time and he did like the craziest gnarliest tricks and I was like this is what I want to do it's almost like somebody watching a fast bowler for the first time or watching a spinner and going, I want to be a fast bowler or I want to be a spinner. He was the type of skateboarding that he did was what I kind of connected with. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And that's how I want to conduct myself. Like, if uh, I how, fall, how good were you? Or are you? I, was, I was really good. Like, mm. I, think I, was, I think I was really good. Look, skateboarding now is at a, a, is at a different level right yeah, now. Yeah. You know, like guys right now are ridiculous. And if you're a professional skateboarder and... I'm still friends with a lot of guys mm. that are professional skateboarders. They will tell you that skateboarding now, a 10-year-old now is way better than what a 25-year-old right. at his peak was 20 years ago. Okay, so that's just, that's just how it is right now. But when I was at that age, mm -hmm. it was like those guys were obviously better than me, but I was getting to a point you where were getting there. Yeah. I could get there. And I was at a tipping point where I was in my life where I was like, is this something that I want to do professionally mm. or do I want to play cricket? I'm not going to say that I would have ever been winning gold medals at competitions, but it was a lifestyle choice. Mm. You know, I like that lifestyle. I like the individual side of things. Mm. I like that there was no time clock. There was no one telling me, oh, you have to be, yeah, uh, you have to do this. You have to, you know, there's a team photo or anything. Yeah. I yeah. could dress how I wanted to. I could go when I wanted to. I could skate for as long as I wanted to. Mm. Uh, there was an all an individual thing um, that I really, really kind of connected with, you know. And the great thing about somebody like Jeff now is we reached out to each other recently, I say recently, a couple of years ago, and he played cricket when he was in school. <laughs> he, he grew up in Liverpool. He lives in California now, okay. but he grew up in Liverpool and he played cricket. And um, we coincidentally met once in Huntington Beach and both of us were too shy to kind of say that I love skateboarding and he was too shy <laughs> to say that I played cricket. So now, now we're really good friends on Instagram. Yep. But it was amazing that throughout, nice. my, throughout my youth, mm. I idolized this man who I'm now quite good friends with. Like, was it difficult for you to walk away from skateboarding because like the whole aesthetic, right? Like the only way I was introduced to it here is by playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, mm -hmm. the video game which came with the music, which came with everything, right? The whole package. Yeah. That and watching the X Games. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, given that I'm not naturally athletic, like for me, it's like okay, I'll stop watching the sport. I'll start watching something else. Yes. Like, how did it happen for you? Where you you realized when you picked up the cricket ball immediately that you were faster than everybody else, and that you were naturally gifted at cricket. So, was it difficult to walk away from skateboarding? Um, it, look, I skate now, which is great. I still I'm able to skate now, which is which is good. And I think the the nice thing is that, like, I had to make a career choice, mm -hmm. you know. And when I was 20 years old, 19, when I moved to Pretoria, I had to kind of make a career choice. And I was like, okay, cool. I wanted to skate, and at the same time, I was there to play cricket. Right. But I was earning money playing cricket, and then all of a sudden, cricket <clears throat> kind of started to consume my time. Like I was practicing every single day. I was I didn't have the opportunity to skate as much on weekends. When You've I'd never meet. had it in any of your contracts that you couldn't skate for the risk of injury. No, I in think your I think career? there was something there. I I don't read the contracts oh, okay. through okay. and through. Somebody yeah. else does. Yeah. You know, they just say sign you. Yeah. But I do know that they don't want you doing things hmm. like that, like skydiving. They don't want you to skydive. Skiing is another. That Skiing they, yeah. and skateboarding is very hard on your ankles and knees. Yeah, and I've done yeah. all of that. You know, like I've <laughs> I've jumped out of planes and and I've bungee jumped and you know all of that kind of stuff. So. I'm surprised that they still paid me. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, then eventually what happened was that cricket just started to take over my life mm. from, a, from a financial and work point of view. And, um, and then all of a sudden you have to make a, you know, an, almost like an adult right. you know, decision where it's to say, okay, skateboarding is extremely dangerous. And if I do this, I'm going to probably end my chances of having a successful career at something that I'm, I'm actually really good, good at. at. Yeah. So let me do this. And when I retire, I'll just go back to that. You know, which I've done. Most most people do that with uh, very standard careers, right? Like they pick engineering because uh, they're not that good at anything else, and they move into something else because. I, I think you're being harsh on engineers. <laughs> I, I honestly think you're being. I'm an engineer, <laughs> and I'm here, yeah. so it, it, it's kind of like that. There's also another quote from Eric. I've I've watched a lot of your skateboarding videos, and uh, there's like you take a lot of learnings from everything that you've done like fishing adds to cricket skateboarding yeah. adds mm. to cricket right and like this is one thing that you had mentioned in a way where nothing teaches you more about cricket than skateboarding because you have to keep picking yourself up oh, fall and down okay. yeah. I'm, I'm confused yeah <laughs> well I, I suppose when you when you're skating or even surfing for that matter surfing is even more difficult to be honest with you because skateboarding i look at an obstacle and mm. i'm like okay cool i can hit this obstacle as many times as i want and I'm probably going to fall. It's one of the most amazing things about watching a skateboarding video because you watch those videos that those guys do. They'll put out a video for like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And how long it takes to do one trick is split seconds. Correct. You know? And how long does it take to land that trick? You've made days. So how many times do you think they've attempted to land that I, one trick? I've seen these videos. I've always thought people are... A little like how yeah. where where are the the outtakes the stuff that Absolutely. we haven't seen. So that's the thing about skateboarding is that you just ne you just don't give up you just keep going mm. you just keep, keep picking yourself up and you keep going and you keep going and you keep going and and I found that in cricket was exactly the same thing it was like oh it's fine if I didn't get a wicket on this ball I'll get a wicket on the next ball you, you understand what I'm saying where sometimes people put a lot of pressure on themselves and they this is it this is the this is the ball or they lose hope completely and I found that skateboarding was like. It just taught me to keep going. Mm. Um, also, with the risk of being potentially really hurt, when you when you're looking at a like a, a hectic wave, like a big wave, or a or a big set yeah. of stairs or a handrail, when you're skateboarding, the risk of the trick has got to be it's got to outweigh something. Yeah. You know, so it's like you have to first visualize: Are you going to be able to get through this mm -hmm. before you even attempt it? Um, and 
the thing about cricket is that nothing is really life-threatening for me when I'm bowling. You know, I'm not really, if I get this wrong, I'm not really going to hurt myself Correct. in a way. But like, if I get this wrong on this wave, there's a chance that I could drown. Correct. I could get hit by the reef and really cut myself up. If I get this wrong on my skateboard, there's a chance I'm going to break my ankle, Land hurt my knee, head. break my arm, and then I'm out for a very long time. Yeah. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of prep that goes into that. But you took that visualization to cricket. In, I took it into cricket. Into cricket. Into mm -hmm. cricket. And I think it made me harder and stronger um, mm -hmm. because you just so, you get used to falling. You get used to hitting the cement. You get, and you learn how to handle that too. Mm -hmm. And then pick yourself up and you become hard and resilient. Yeah. Whereas sometimes in, in, in cricket, maybe we're a bit too soft and we're a bit too, too scared to try again. You know? So those things taught me to just never, never, never quit essentially. Yeah. I wanted to transition from here into that iconic uh, Grant Elliott photo, right, from the uh, New Zealand semi-final, mm. yeah. right? Like, uh, how does it feel to be a part of what is probably the photo of the tournament, right? You have, like, nobody, I yeah. don't remember that tournament uh, for anything else apart from that one moment. Yeah. Right? It's not even Australia winning. Australia won too many times. Like, we, I, don't, I don't remember I that. I think that yeah, and Kane Williamson's six to win it in uh, Auckland. It yes. was, yeah, those, yeah. Those two are the. Yeah. Is did you feel that everything <coughs> that you have done up up till that point, like uh, you had to get up? Right? That's exactly what you said. Like Absolutely. you had to pick up and get up. Like that one photo. Like when you look back on the photo, forget the moment. Forget yeah. how you feel about it and what mm. is happening in the moment. How do you feel about being a part of such? like an iconic moment. In I, I, I absolutely love it, actually, you know, and everything kind of happens. I do believe everything kind of happens for a reason. And like maybe my whole participation in that World Cup led up for that one moment, that one moment where you get up, where Grant Elliott put his hand out. And it's a beautiful picture, actually. Like, again, it's something that I, I really enjoy from an artistic point of view. I think it's a wonderful picture and it represents so much. And that one moment, although I didn't go on to win a World Cup and neither did Grant, that one picture right there could mean so much to so many more people um, in, in terms of like what, what it means to play this mm. game, what it means to be a good sportsman, um, what it means to lose and pick yourself up, what it means to win and still pick somebody up who you've just beaten. It's that, that for me is probably, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that. Ideally, yes, I want to win a World Cup. So does everybody else that comes to a World Cup. So any interview on team yeah. that wins a World Cup. But that one picture over there, I'm very proud of that moment. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful moment. So, like, how quickly did you get to fishing right after that? After that one very moment, given like your your throughout your Instagram, right? Like, it's mostly fishing, 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 fishing. Dogs, pets, yeah. fishing, fishing, yeah. fishing. There's so, an odd lion or two in the middle. There's a tiger there. Yeah. And then there's something. There, so yeah. There's the there's the odd uh, ollie or uh, mm. grinding of a pipe on the road. Yeah. And fishing. Like, how did fishing happen? And so fishing is just part of my family, I suppose. My, my mom's father, my grandfather, um, as, as far back as I can remember, he, was a, he fished, he loves the fishermen. Mm -hmm. My family fish, weekends and holidays, we would go fishing. That's what, my dad doesn't fish, strangely enough. I actually took my dad on, the, on his first fishing trip now for my birthday a couple months oh, ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I took him. Um, and I've been fishing my whole life and it was the first time that I took him fishing. Mm. Um, but my grandfather fished and we would spend weekends fishing from when I was a baby, baby, baby. So uh, it was just part of my DNA. Like that was it. Look, I lived in the Kruger National Park. I grew up in the bush. It was a lot of places to fish, freshwater fishing. 
and that's just what I did. With my friends, we would do it to have fun and relax on weekends. We'd go and tent, uh, camp, and we would fish. And now I get to go um, and catch these amazing fish that we watched on ESPN as kids growing up when they were catching them all around the world and in the magazines that we had seen. Um, we're able to kind of target these fish. So how, how does it work? Do you plan on getting one particular yeah. type? You do yeah, that. So yeah. you so go it's to not just anything in the... No, 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 no. no, no. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of know exactly what we're going for. Like if you're going to go to Botswana and, and, and the Zambezi, mm -hmm. you, the Zambezi River, the Chobe River, then you're targeting tigerfish. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and there's a particular period of the year when the tigerfish are, are best to go and catch, mm. which is winter time in, in South Africa. So we go there. Mm. Um, if you want to fish for triggerfish, um, which is a, a saltwater fish. Um, it's an amazing fish. He tails in water that's super shallow on yeah. the beach, and you throw these little crabs at him. It's incredible to catch. It can come and eat it right by your feet with fly. It's, it's, it's insane. You catch them in the Seychelles. You, we went to Sudan okay. to go and catch them. Uh, giant Trevelli GT. Uh, we targeted them in Sudan. There's a great documentary on giant trevelli. It's on YouTube, uh, narrated by David Attenborough, where okay. this, this giant trevelli jumps out of the water and catches a seagull huh? in mid-air. I think this, this clip is extremely famous. It's famous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we go and we've targeted those okay. fish. Yeah. We've, we've caught them. We went to uh, uh, Bolivia in uh, the Amazon jungle to target uh, golden dorado. Not the golden dorado that everyone thinks of in salt water. Mm -hmm. This is a freshwater golden dorado. They get real big. Um, catch them on fly. And um, we just came back from Brazil now where we targeted peacock bass. Which also, Lots, again, yeah. if you're lucky, you catch the big ones. Sometimes you're not so yeah. lucky, you catch smaller ones. It doesn't really matter, but a beautiful, colorful fish. And, um, yeah, we go around the world targeting these, these fish. You go for about 10 days. Um, you have a great time. Different I, periods I, of the I year. petition uh, Dale Stain to host next Man vs. Wild. I think he can... Take it, take it forward. This studio yeah. just doesn't seem yeah, like the, the, the yeah, space I'm, for... I feel out of place when I'm dressed like this. Like when we were in, when we were in Brazil now, we basically slept in hammocks yeah. in the jungle. Okay. Yeah. You know, no electricity, no power. It's a great opportunity to get off your phone. Mm. Um, there's no Wi-Fi. There's no connection with the outside world at all. Wow. You are literally living in the moment, surrounded by mosquitoes, jaguars, and whatever else that can actually kill you. Mm. Um, and it is, that's how I grew up, you know. So now I spend my money trying to find that, you know. Again, it's, it's wonderful. I love it. it. Doesn't it require a lot of patience uh, to fish, right? Because it's not like you're going to, whatever you put up on Instagram, it's like the skateboarding yeah. uh, thing you mentioned, right? You're not <laughs> going to get that fish all the time. No, 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 right? no, you so don't, yeah. How, I don't get, I don't get how, uh, a fast bowler like you, this is the act, right? Like menacing and uh, looking to get a wicket at every ball. But you also have this boundless patience to sit, relax, be one with everything and figure out. Maybe the yeah. Mahela Sangha partnership helps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah I, I suppose, you know, fishing teaches you pa patience. You know, uh, if it was, it's called fishing and not catching. Yeah. You know, yeah. and mm. um, that's why you, you go and you know that you're going to have 10. 10,000 casts in a day and there's a chance that you might only get one bite mm. and you have to make that bite count, you know, and it's tough when you travel all the way across the world and you spend your whole day just casting, casting, casting and then you get your one bite and you're not focused to set the hook and, and catch it, that fish. The fish goes. And I suppose it's the ex exact same thing when, you, when you're bowling and you've, or, or fielding for that matter, when you've been in a test match the whole day 
and it's gone past the outside edge, outside edge, outside edge, and eventually you, someone mm. finds the edge and you had slipped. You have to be aware to mm. catch that ball. Otherwise, you could drop it and you could lose that big wicket. So fishing teaches you. Is that a message me, to Jack Rudolph? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, people drop, catches you know, people drop yeah. catches yeah. all the time. We lose fish all the time. That's that's the that's part of it. Mm. Makes great story. But it takes days that you go without catching. I would say, I wouldn't say you go days without mm. catching. You have your opportunities, and if you if you know the conditions well and you go there in the right time of the year, which is what, what we focus on doing, the chances and probabilities of catching fish are extremely high. Um, but you've you got to know what you're doing. take that sentence and put it to taking a wicket as well. Exactly uh, what you It's, it's, it's exactly yeah. the same thing. Yeah. yeah, if you go there and you adapt to your conditions and you, you've studied the, the pitch and mm. you know what's going to work, whether it be a slower ball or a bouncer or a yorker, and you go to these places and you know that maybe yellow is going to work, yeah. not green, this lure is going to work, not that lure, you know, you're going to catch. And mm. if you're good at, um, at, at, at it, you, you probably get a wicket or catch your fish or whatever it is. Yeah, it's a good combination. Uh, have you managed to fish in India at any point or is that too difficult? Uh, yeah. No, I haven't had a lot of time. There's, um, I do want to go and catch Golden Masia. It's in the northern part of, of India. Um, it's, it's a fish that I'm, mm. that I'm looking to target. I just need to find some time. Um, yeah, but it's definitely on my bucket list to catch one of them. Yeah. Like, sticking to India that way, right? Uh, you have now transitioned from being a player to a coach, right? You are uh, with uh, Sunrisers Hyderabad. Uh, how has that transition been for you given, like there are, you're one of the few people who, now that I'm talking to you, right, uh, you have taken learnings from everything else and brought it, to you, brought it to cricket. Like most people look at cricket as the first thing and they apply that to everything else. Yeah. Right, so uh, how has that been like to be a coach of other players who are now looking up to you and like, I'm sure that it's a different role altogether. Yeah, I suppose, you know, the thing, firstly the thing about it is that, you, you know, cricket's not my entire life. You know, yeah. um, there's so much more to my life than just cricket. And I think that's one of the messages that I try and send to a lot of these guys is that don't don't make it your entire life because you can get <laughs> mm. you can be disappointed very quickly if, if you get an injury or, or something happens or you run out of bad, uh, have a bad run of form and you get dropped and everything like that. You could really find uh, depression kind of kick in. So make sure that you've got other things that are, are more important to you, family, friends, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but from a coaching point of view, it's been nice because I kind of got one foot in the dressing room, one foot in the coaching room right now. So I'm able to double dip, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, I know exactly what it, what's required from a playing point of view, yeah. um, how training wants to operate, when they want to train, how long they want to train for, what they want to do at training. And I'm able to take that to my coaching side where I'm able to tell a coach, listen, I don't know if so-and-so should bowl today. Mm -hmm. I've had a conversation with him, um, I've listened to him talk, I've watched him talk, I don't think he wants to train. I think it's a good chance to let him go. That's a nice thing but to do. But how much can you squeeze, squeeze into those two months considering there are 14 games minimum? For what do you in, mean? In a season, in an IPL season, for coaching? example. Coaching? Uh, coaching. In training? Yeah, training. Yeah, yeah they, you do train, we train, mm. the guys like to train. Mm. That's the thing. Okay. There's, no, there's no shortage of training, that's for sure. Training is always available. It's almost like... What you want to do is that when you've got the guys that are playing all the time, it's how do you keep them fresh? Mm. How do you stop them from training too much? You know, guys, it's hot. We've got a big game yeah. coming up tomorrow. I don't need you to be dehydrated and tired. Also, don't need you to bat yourself into bad form, mm. you know, um, just in the nets. So, 
it's nice that I'm sitting in a situation from my coaching point of view that I've got one foot in and one foot mm -hmm. out. Um, so I can address the coaches, but then I can also go to the players in confidence and I can say, listen, you know, from my coaching side of things and from what I've heard, I think before a coach goes and says, I'm dropping you, this is what you need to mm. work on. This is where maybe you need to focus on. And they might listen to me a little bit more because I'm still a player. Um, but it's been, a, it's been an interesting journey so far, one that I've enjoyed. And um, I'm sure as the years go on, the players that I played with will start to step out of those dressing rooms. I'll become more of a coach and have one foot taken out of that, that but you, you would like side. to continue to do this mentorship coaching that you're doing at least for a little bit during the course of the year. I suppose yeah. um, I enjoy I love the game I love what the game's given me I think I've got a lot to offer um, and um, it doesn't really matter at what level it is whether it's yeah. IPL international or someone that's playing at school you know if I can make them a better player then I'm gonna offer what I can mm. like to completely changed gears, right? Uh, what's it like to bowl low full tosses to Adam Sandler? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun. That was a fun thing. Um, yeah, he gave me a call out of nowhere. Uh, that was that was interesting because his bodyguard is a good friend of mine, Rory Stain. Um, and Rory has a business, Nickel Stain, that provides all the security for IPLs and as well as red carpets and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Lots of Hollywood actors and everything like that. I'm not too sure if they still do it now, but so Rory was working closely with Adam and Adam was filming this movie in South Africa. They wanted to shoot a baseball scene, but they don't play baseball in South Africa. So Adam thought it would be funny to shoot a cricket scene. And he thought it would be even funnier if he had a professional cricketer play in the movie. And he does that often in his movies where he's had like Shaquille O'Neal, he's had John McEnroe, he's had Andy Roddick from tennis point of view. He's a big sportsman himself. He loves playing basketball. Um, and Rory suggested using me. So out of nowhere, I got this phone call and it was Adam Sandler on the line. And yeah, I flew over to Atlanta and I spent a week with him, Drew Barrymore and the whole cast, Terry Crews. And yeah, I watched them film a little bit, did my lines. And then, yeah, was in a Hollywood movie. Pretty cool. Shot hoops with him and Shaq when yeah. in between, in between uh, filming. It was pretty insane. Is that where you met uh, Shaquille O'Neal, right? Like, there's a selfie of you on Instagram with uh, yeah. Shaquille. Like, do you follow basketball or is that... I mean, I used to follow basketball, not mm. so much anymore. But, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy because we were staying at this golf course. Everyone had, like, their, little, their own, like, little house. And Adam came to fetch me the one day in his little golf cart, but it was like this souped up golf cart. It was like, a, it looked like a G-Wagon, <laughs> but it was a little golf cart. And um, he's like, do you want to go shoot hoops? I'm like, yeah, sure, cool. And at this point I'd spent a day or two with him, so it was, it was kind of cool. And he's like, we're just picking up Shaq. And I was like, <laughs> Shaq in a golf cart? What? And he's like, yeah, we're just gonna pick up Shaq quickly. And we picked up Shaquille O'Neal, and then we went and shot hoops, played base basketball together. It was, it was pretty insane. And um, the entire time that I was there, I was so nervous. I, I didn't take many photos because I, I, I know what it's like to be like part of like uh, a team. It's like I've been to the IPL so many times, but I don't have photos of mm. myself and Virat. I don't have photos of myself and AB. I don't have photos of myself and, and other cricketers. And when I was there, I just assumed that that's kind of the right thing to do. It's like I'm not going to pull out my phone and start filming us playing basketball. You know, I don't do that when I'm cricket. So I, I didn't. I don't have a lot of stuff to back it up. But the day I was leaving, I was like, Shaq, we, we need to have a selfie, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we like, that, I did that. Uh, 
like, sticking to movies, right? What is your favorite movie to watch? Like, uh, there is a post on your Instagram about uh, Lord of the Rings, right? When uh, oh yeah. So uh, for me, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, mm. If it's on somewhere, I'll end up watching the whole three hour. Uh, like I'll stop everything I'm doing and sit for three hours and finish it off if it's yeah. on anywhere. But what is it for you? Um, I mean, I I love those. I don't really watch a lot of TV. That's the crazy thing. I don't know if I told you the other day, but I I don't have a TV now at my house. I don't what? have a TV. Yeah, I don't. Have you, okay, you fish. You do. You, you do cool stuff. Fine. Yeah, I spend a lot of time. I got <laughs> he three, doesn't need to do this stuff. I got yeah. three border collies. You know, they ah, keep me busy. Yeah. Dude, like, there's no. Do, do you race them? Can you can't? I mean, it's no, you can't. There's no time. Yeah, they yeah, wake me up. They they CPR wake me up in the morning. <laughs> they jump on my chest and they, you know, and um, they just want to be outside the whole time. So what are their names? Uh, Chobi is my Chobi? is the oldest one, um, named after the Chobi River where we go mm -hmm. tiger fishing. Then I got Mowgli. Mowgli. He's the middle boy, and then that, uh, that's an, there's an Indian connection. Mowgli. Yeah, with, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Mowgli. And you know that comes from the Jungle Book, which mm -hmm. was filmed. The, the, the writer wrote that book based on the jungle in outside of Nagpur. Uh, so that's an interesting one uh, for his kids. And then the last one is Kira. Kira. Uh, she's a brown and white border collie. And um, I went to Australia recently. I had a great surf there at mm -hmm. Kira. So yeah, I named her after that. Nice. Yeah. Is it uh, easier to uh, be with your pets more now that uh, like you don't travel as much as an international cricketer, right? Like, uh, like is that one of the few things to look forward to? It's the hardest thing now because like I hate having to leave them at home. You know, they are basically my children, um, and when I leave, they they know. Like when I start packing my bags, yeah. they start to get upset. They don't want to talk to me. They get grumpy. They've got they all got their own personalities. They they wonderful. I love them. And um, when I come home, they're excited to see me, and then the realization kicks in for them. They were like, oh, this dude, he left us. You've been gone for... And then they ignore me again for yeah, a little bit yeah. because they start sulking because they realize that I've just treated them badly. And then they come by and then, you know, it's okay. about About border collies, a, a line or two, because A, one thing, don't ever get them if you don't have space. Ever. Yeah, no, ever. true. Uh, and secondly, like, we, I don't think I've ever seen one because I don't think in India we really have uh, border collies, but... They're known as working dogs, yep. especially in I think uh, Britain and, and yep. the spaces. So, do you do you get them to do anything around your your space, your area, or like generally, how are they as? A yeah, they're very busy. Mm. Like they want to run all the time. All yeah. the time. Yeah. They want to play all the time, and they want to work. They want to be taught things. So, I suppose the one nice thing about them is if you don't have the space, you really need to mentally stimulate them mm. a lot. You need to try and teach them things, whether it's just teaching paw. Mm or down, or circles, or around you, or between your legs. Little things like that that you can do inside your house mm. um, with treats, because they want to be mentally stimulated. Okay. Um, they want to be physically worked too, but the mental stimulation makes them equally as tired. Mm. So yeah, I try and do a lot of that with mm. them, because that's just what they are. Yeah. You know, they're just extremely busy and intelligent dogs. You know? there, there, is, there is a video on YouTube. I mean, I don't think we can put it here, but their speed was recorded at almost 38 kilometers per hour. One of them. It's outstanding. Yeah, they're like very the quick. The joy that I they're get. They're also smarter dogs. Yeah, they're super smart. Yeah, border collies are. Like I, I like how we like. Oh, like uh, tell me, Dale, what movies do you watch? From there, like nah. And we got onto dogs. <laughs> yeah. None of that dogs. 
and like I wanted to talk about uh, uh, like all your dogs anyway, but like I'm glad that that's what came out yeah. first, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the yeah, Lord of the Rings, everyone has seen. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. true. That's well, true. from a movie point of view, I watch a lot of like um, I love watching surf documentaries and surf films. They again, they come with great music. Mm. They they're beautiful to watch. They're so well filmed, you know, from a, uh, a an artistic or cinematography point of view. You know, they like they're lovely to watch. You know. Uh, if you're a series person like Netflix and that, I, I don't watch that. I, I've got no time. Like I don't have time to sit for weeks. Okay, what about cricket? Of my life, no, I don't. I don't watch cricket either. Mm. The build-up to to World Cups, I will obviously watch. Um, like the Australia South Africa that just happened. I watch parts yeah, of it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's only fair that I watch parts Correct. of it. I'm yeah. also a coach. I need to know how my players are doing mm. and how how well they're doing, and I, I keep uh, track of that. Um, and I am interested to see how guys go. Uh, but I, I guess I'm just like anybody else. Mm. You know, I've got other things that interest me. So I'm, if there's a cricket match on, I'm not going to sit there and watch all day. So you have to pick which interests you more, and then. Uh, yeah, but uh, I like a, I like the surf documentary films. Mm. There's one called South to Cyan. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a. South to Cyan. South to Cyan. It's beautifully filmed. It's well narrated. It's a story mm. um, about two guys that go on a on a on a surf trip, and. Um, yeah, it's just it's just it's wonderful. Has, has no one ever approached you to like host a program or you're a famous face? Uh, you're you're out there in the wild. Has no one ever? There's I'm, if if no I'm, one has, this I'm is famous this is your in, moment. I'm famous in the cricket sense, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that's why I'm sitting here, and that's why I leave it up to the professional surfers to do the surf <laughs> filming and the skateboarders <laughs> to the skateboarding, and they're not sitting here, and I'm not yeah, sitting like there. So I think host. that's about right, yeah. isn't it? Is is there a wave that you wish you could write? Like I remember seeing uh, somewhere on YouTube about uh, this one uh, rogue wave of the coast of Spain, which was maybe I don't know 20, 25 feet tall, which one surfer was trying to catch all all the time, and he managed to catch it, like practicing all day, all yeah. night, and he managed to catch. Is it some place where you want to surf, or have you done it all so far? No, no. I think there's lots of unridden waves. There's lots of the thing about surfing is that it's it's also the adventure. It's like going there and um, seeing the area and meeting the people and it, it's, it's an adventure, you know, the wave is, is wonderful. Um, I, the best wave in the world is a seven hour drive from Cape Town in oh. Jeffreys Bay. So I drive from Cape Town, we'll drive up there, um, you know, a couple times a year. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a great place. The, the people there, I've gotten to know them well now, they're wonderful people um, and it's, it's it's a world famous wave. People from all around the world fly there to go and surf this wave. So we don't have to go far to have the best wave in the world. Um, but there's something nice about going to Indonesia and Bali and these tropical places, warm water where you surf in board shorts and beautiful pristine water with um, pristine water with a reef underneath you. It's completely see-through. You can do a little bit of fishing. It's it's a real adventure mm. if you can go and, and find these wonderful places. And I'm going to Mozambique now next week actually. Um, so yeah, this is, this is for surfing. This is for surfing. surfing. Yeah, we're going to go and surf. I'll take a rod with. I'll do a little bit of fishing. Fishing and surfing. Yeah, yeah. it's going to um, be good. What's on your uh, playlist right now, just uh, in terms of music, right? Uh, like the reason I ask this is uh, there's a whole bunch of. Uh, let's say, gigs that you've attended that you've put up on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, Foo Fighters concert uh, yes. footage. There's a Dave Grohl uh, book that you had read yes. at some point. So uh, what is it that you listen to? And has it changed from the time when you had 
debuted for South Africa? I've always listened to the same kind of music. I've always listened to like rock music, alternative rock music. I also like, like some, sometimes I like heavy metal, you know, I'm like that, which is kind of weird. Like, I, like you think that, but I listen to, I was listening to some heavy metal the other day, yesterday morning when I was flying and I fall asleep listening to it. Like, like I'm listening <laughs> to classical music. I was listening to some classical music. Okay, Neil, now probably too, you so. fell asleep yesterday because you got up at like 3 a.m. No, I do that any time. That's, that's, <laughs> that's just what I listen to. I kind of like. As much as I don't want to yeah. interrupt what he's saying, I relate to this hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a metalhead. Yeah. But do you I mean, fall asleep? I, I fall asleep. Yeah, metal. It happens. Yeah. Okay, that's Dude, okay. I, full tattoo, full sleeve tattoo, mm. metal blurring in the background, guys tattooing me, and I'll fall asleep <laughs> whilst he's doing it. So that does happen. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Have you moved on from Foo Fighters or is that... Uh, well, there's lots of bands. They come yeah. and go all the time. What am I currently listening to? Let me see. So my uh, old school favorites, obviously, don't even know. L lately, I've been listening to a lot of War on Drugs. Um, huh. Love War on Drugs. There's a band that's out of uh, America now that I like. They're called Pine Grove. Pine I've Grove. really been into, into Pine Grove. They're really nice. You can listen to them. They indie rock. Uh, it's easy listening to... Um, but I'll tell you what I don't listen to. I don't listen to anything that's like on the on the radio right now. Like no Billboard top 40. No, no, if you no. put that, that's uh, don't. I'm just I will die. We would have almost had to no. bleep, bleep something out there. <laughs> almost, yeah. No, and and old old rap. Love love like old rap. Nas. Um, yeah, gangsta. Um, who else? Yeah, Dinosaur uh, Junior. Um, stu stuff like that. Yeah, it's a lot of bands that not a lot of people actually know the names mm. of. To be fair, like. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's taken us, I think, around 40 minutes so far-ish. And like now is when I want to keep talking to you for hours. because You're exactly welcome to carry on chatting. You can exactly break this down for as long as you want. Right? No problem. Like, there's this way uh, uh, you describe Liverpool's football, right? Like Jurgen Klopp, heavy metal football, right? And like when I would watch you play, it would be like punk rock cricket in a way, right? Like just at it in your face. And it's just uh, amazing to see that that is... Uh, outside of the sport, that's not who you are. You are warm, you're welcoming. You said Liverpool, that reminded me. Are you a Chelsea fan? I'm a Chelsea you fan. Chelsea Don't fan. ever say <laughs> Liverpool around. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. boring was that? Like, <laughs> Didn't you get a jersey signed by Lampard at some point? Yeah, I suppose when, yeah. you, when you're part of these things, um, Wayne Bentley, who's with, I think he's with England right now, um, he was our manager. He's a good friend of mine from South mm. Africa. He, he's working with England, he's been work and maybe New Zealand uh, too. Uh, he was working at Chelsea. Football okay. club, and I was a big Chelsea fan. And then number eight, you know, Frank Lampard, number eight, Stuart Broad, number eight, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, yeah, Kieran Reid, um, myself, a couple others. We're number eight. Yeah, pretty tight. The bunch of us. <laughs> Who else? I'm trying to think music-wise. Jeez, um, you know, I mean, I love Blink 182, old Blink 182. Nothing new. Like the new stuff just sounds too, you know, like too modern. Um, and then there's a guy named Alex Melton. He does like uh -huh. covers. Okay. He does any, like he'll do a country cover and he'll turn it into punk rock. So, yeah, check Alex Melton out. He's cool. Yeah. We'll do that. Thank you so much, Dale. You're welcome. Thank, thank you so much, Karthik. For thank you, Kostov. This, uh, this is going to be the title of the show. Uh, punk rock cricket. The punk rock cricket. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. That's yeah. that, right? cool. Uh, so thank you so much for being a part of uh, our show so far. Uh, if you like what you're listening to, do leave a rating on... Spotify or review on Apple Podcasts, it really takes it forward. Until next time.